0: Welcome to the My Chicago Podcast. I'm your host, Keri Rubin. Today's featured business was nominated by Liza Solberg from Spinergy, which was episode 13 of the podcast. And it's Rheinhall Distillery run by her cousin, Jenny solberg Katzman, Located in 2010 West Fulton Market in the Kinsey Industrial Corridor in the West Loop, Rheinhall manufactures European-style fruit brandies made from locally sourced fruit. In this episode, Jenny discusses starting the business with her dad back in 2012 and how they came to specialize in these types of spirits. She also shares a bit about their business model, which includes selling their brandies primarily to bars and restaurants, as well as some direct-to-consumer business via their tasting room and cocktail classes. We, of course, dig into pandemic pivots and how some quick thinking kept them afloat during the shutdown. I really enjoyed learning more about their business and can't wait to try some of their cocktails when I make my way out to the tasting room. Here's my interview with Jenny Solberg-Katzman from Reinhall Distillery.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Jenny. I'm really thrilled to have you here and have, uh, have since you're your cousin, right? Yep. I nominated you. I'm really interested to learn a little bit more about Reinhall. So I'd love to hear the story of how it got started.
2: Great. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, so Reinhall, we're turning eight uh, this year, November 5th. So it's kind of crazy to... Be turning, you know, we're becoming like a. I have two kids now, so um, a child. It is like a like child, right? <laughs> <laughs> not so much a toddler anymore, um, and so it's been a lot of fun. I mean, we've been through quite a roller coaster over the last few years, but uh, but yeah, we started back in 2013. I own the business with my dad. Uh, we originally got into this business, so the name, again, is Rhine Hall Distillery. Um, we specialize in fruit brandies, uh, like a European-style fruit brandy, also known as Eau de Vie, so they're all fruit distillates. Uh, we get most of our fruit from the Great Lakes region, but then we do a few exotic brandies as well, where we get the fruit from kind of all over the world, and then we've added some liqueurs to our line as well. Um, And so we were introduced to making these products through, initially my dad, he played pro hockey in Austria, and so um, in his off time of playing hockey, he spent time with uh, the locals there, and he was basically in a part of Austria that was very similar um, as like Southwest Michigan is as far as Mm -hmm. the climate and relation Mm -hmm. to the water and the weather patterns. And so he just kind of fell in love with the the culture and the process of making these spirits. It's basically using like secondhand fruit, like fruit that doesn't go to the market Mm -hmm. uh, that you can then produce into something. And uh, he was then called back to the U S to start a different business, uh, specializing in uh, air filters, air compressors with his dad. And uh, so that's what brought him back. And then, to launch that business in Europe, years later, my family, we moved over to Germany. Oh, cool. And and we loved our time over there. I'm the youngest of five. We all went to German-speaking schools and kind of, again, got introduced to the culture there and loved this, like, you know, act of... I mean, we were too young to drink it. Sure. <laughs> but... Uh, Technically. I, I, can't see, I can't say the quotes then uh, Podcast, but um, and but like we, it was it was a lot of fun. And so when we came back to a suburb of Chicago, where we're from, uh, we continued making this product in our backyard. So we converted like this stationary bike into a bike powered apple chopper. Um, no way! My dad, like made this home still. We did this every fall with like it, whatever kids were home or like we'd bring some friends. We'd like climb the trees like monkeys and then we'd shake the fruit off and then we would bring it back home and chop it up and ferment it and, and then distill it. So um that was our home product and and my whole family has like been pretty proud of of that and we've carried bottles of our finished product to like our respective cities wherever we've been to or um you know, through different life phases mm-hmm. and it was when I was living in San Francisco um after college, and I met my now husband, and he—he he was the one I would give credit to for really encouraging me to turn this family hobby a business. He like just recognized the passion I had talking about it, you know, sharing it with friends when they come over, and my—I knew my dad was on board. It was just a matter of kind of seriously presenting some yeah, vision for the business. Mm-hmm. And so that then required us to move back to Chicago, myself and my then-boyfriend. And um, and we started the business. Uh, my husband's not involved, but uh, that's kind of what got him to move yeah. to Chicago. He's from Southern California, so there needed to be a convincing...
1: Yeah, they're do- yeah I
2: get that, totally. Outside of just family.
1: Right, totally. <laughs> well, that's cool. And then you just took yeah. the leap?
2: Yeah, we just took the leap. It was pretty... No, I was uh, kind of remembering some of that the other day. Uh, just, you know, the amount of licensing and stuff, especially for this business, is pretty bizarre as far as like the amount of red tape that you have to get through. And I just remember like the amount of checklists I had and different
1: requirements we needed. And I can't imagine, yeah. especially in a city like Chicago with all the politics and
2: hoops <laughs> oh <my gosh, laughs> you got to yeah. jump through. <laughs> Yeah. No, it was, it was unreal. Um, And and I know from speaking with other uh, people in other states that the city, well, and that was one thing. My dad was like somewhat uh, in favor of doing something in the suburbs, not only because it was a lower barrier to entry, but also, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have the city to deal with. And I was Mm -hmm. like, the only way I think we're going to, Really make an impact with such a niche product. It needs to be in the city, so for sure. That was kind of just um the like that was the plan. So it, that, you know that makes things not as bad when you know that that's it, that is exactly what you're going for. So, um so yeah, quite quite a lot of work with the city, but uh, we're off. still in the same spot where we started.
1: <laughs> yeah, are you manufacturing everything out of that? Facility in Fulton Market, yeah, yeah. Okay. So
2: we're right here on Fulton and Damon, um, and yeah, it's in a small business incubator building that's kind of transitioned to having more just like small businesses than just incubation. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, yeah, we've continued like the way the building's divided up is there's like different suites that are all like basically divided by um, you know somewhat in in. Toward, uh, non-permanent walls mm-hmm. and so if you need more space you can basically just like take down a wall
1: and oh that's cool
2: expand your space a little bit further so we've done that uh once or twice here and uh, yeah so far we're we're gonna stay here a bit longer and
1: i don't blame you that's a hot place to be and you kind of got there before it blew up right Yeah.
2: We, I mean, we aren't, we are not in like the thick of Fulton market. We're just further West. um, Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. You're a little West. Yeah. Slightly removed, but I mean, it, 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 it does feel very close. Um, Like United center is a very short walk down Damon. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are talking about putting in a, an L stop right on Damon. Oh, right. Um, so I think that helps just having the amount of traffic and bodies coming west, even just from, you know, downtown and the river. Mm-hmm. Just one stop further from Ashland, um, which is, you know, also directly east of us are, the, is, I don't even know what they call it, the Chicago Brew Yards. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of, like, people coming over here, which I think has obviously been a little bit of expansion from the Fulton Market
1: market district. Yeah. Yeah. It'll only just continue to go West, I would think. Yep. So tell me a little bit more about the business model. So you have your tasting room that people can come experience it. Do you sell direct to consumer or mostly to retailers or, or restaurants or how does that work?
2: Yeah. So we kind of describe our business as a, uh, two, two that has two front of house and back of house operation. The front of house is what you just said—the tasting room. So we do, you know, uh, people can come in have cocktails. This uh, you know, first come, first serve. But then we also have cocktail classes, tours. We do quite a few private events. Um, you know, any anything like that in kind of our consumer-facing um, side of the business, and then what we consider our back of house is our sales to distributors. So in this market or in this type of industry, you have the three-tier system where you have to sell through a distributor. Mm-hmm. So um, we sell through distributors to sell to bars, restaurants, and liquor stores.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, so yeah, it's really that those are the two sides of the business that we have.
1: And your footprint is primarily the Midwest with those distribution? Or is are you all over the country?
2: Yeah, so we... No, I mean, we have our local market here in Chicago or Illinois, and then we are spread out to a slightly more of the progressive market. So we're in New York City. uh, We're in L.A., San Francisco. We're in New York, California, Denver. um, And then we have some smaller markets like uh, Wisconsin and uh, Utah. Mm -hmm and D.C. Okay. So, yeah.
1: Cool. Expanding all over. I bet that, yeah. has, that takes a bit of effort to expand to new markets.
2: Yeah, it's been a lot of trial and error, for sure. Um, like, kind of to your initial question, it makes it would make sense to start with, you know, your Midwest region, not only with the you know, bi-local uh, movement, right. but also the ease of entry, um, not only monetarily, but also just connection driven. Mm -hmm. But we, uh, with our products, it just has not made sense to, we've tried, um, but it's as much more, it's it's more of a high end European niche product. And so it has a very selective audience as far as being in the right cocktail bars and the right retail stores. Um, and so our, we've found that it's really a lot more of the much more expensive markets like New York City, L.A. and San Francisco, outside of Chicago, that has really been like a much quicker sales cycle. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I bet. You definitely got the the type of clientele in that market that would be interested in that kind of thing. Yeah. Rather than yes. Iowa. Her, you know, somewhere yeah where they don't no, have as like many fancy cocktails going on
2: i wish i mean you know we our, our product you know it's originally a european style austrian german so you know there are a lot of uh like european and especially like scandinavian people in the midwest so you think that that would make sense but i it's it makes more of doesn't it's it's more geared towards uh, the the
1: more expensive markets yeah makes sense so talk to me about pandemic and how that affected your business
2: well the pandemic um yeah i mean majority of our distribution business is to bars and restaurants so that was a very quick uh deep you know, plummeting right side of the business. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, some craft distilleries have done well with selling to liquor stores during mm-hmm. the pandemic, but we don't have, you know, the popularity in the in terms of the alcohol category that others did. I mean, and, and I actually wouldn't even say craft distilleries did that great. It's more, there's a lot of the bigger name liquor brands that did well at the liquor stores um, mm-hmm. than people like taking a chance on, on different smaller products. Um, So, so yeah, that hurt us badly, Uh, but with our size and kind of our, you know, entrepreneurial backbone, uh, we were able to pivot really quickly. So um, we had, we have a really good team here. We always have, uh, and everyone was on board uh, to really transition the business to do whatever we needed to do. So, I mean, pretty much immediately within five days of, you know, the shutdown and everything, we uh, we're able to uh, like come up with products that we could use for hand sanitizer.
1: Mm, um, smart.
2: And so we made, you know, thousands of gallons of hand sanitizer. Um, and then we transitioned all of our cocktail class programming into virtual cocktail class program, programming. So mm-hmm. um, we kept it fresh with all of our marketing. We um, you know, I, um, we were kind of in survival mode and that's really, I think, where entrepreneurs thrive, uh, because they're kind of used to that feeling and,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, don't know what's going to get but, thrown at you next and you got to pivot quickly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's, you can, uh, well, as, as much as speaking to myself, like, there was no question of survival or not survival. It, I wasn't just going to like stop and wait. It was more of a, what, like, what are we going to do mm-hmm. and do it as fast mm-hmm. as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so yeah, we, I mean, it definitely hurt our business last year, but, um,
0: and, and we're, we're,
2: now regrouping business and we are, you know, getting back to the numbers that we were at, um, you know, through the pandemic.
1: Okay. I'm glad to hear it. And hopefully it stays that way. You know, who knows what's going to happen in I the know. near term
2: with this I Delta know. variant and all that crazy stuff. Yeah. That's not,
1: yeah, that's going to be tough
2: because I mean, we don't have that hand sanitizer business, uh, anymore. Um, you know, that was something that we, we chose to kind of be able to act fast and, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, you know, now that market's completely that. saturated exactly uh we did we chose not to double down on on that um like others did and now a lot of the other brands that did are are sitting on so much excess of hand sanitizer but that will come in handy if all this you know all this stuff comes back um i mean i don't think that's gonna
1: happen. i don't think so either uh, but the uncertainty the, is killing me <laughs>
2: I know. And yeah, the, the tasting room business. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what we have to do.
1: Is that, do you have a decent amount of traffic coming into that? We do. Yeah. We've
2: we've got a, we have a small footprint here, but, um, yeah, it's it's taken years to build it, but I feel like we have a decent regular uh, following as well as, you know, I mean, we don't have as many tourists, uh, this summer, just given the travel stuff, but, Mm -hmm. um, we, we, uh, yeah, we do get a pretty good crowd. Um, awesome. A, we're open Thursday through Sunday.
1: That makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to share about your business before we close out?
2: No, no. It's, been uh, covered it? <laughs> It's been really nice talking to you and, um, yeah, we'd love to see anybody that listens to the podcast in the tasting room. Um, uh, we do, uh, reservations or you can stop in and, and try it out. So, we make a, we do it like a twist on all classic cocktails. So, um, so people are, you know, it's kind of a good barrier to entry and like, okay, I'm used to drinking a margarita. Now we can put like instead of tequila, we'll put our like mango brandy, which is like. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, I mean, our it's a spirit made from mangoes. But there's been no sugar, or anything added to it, so it just carries the essence of the mango, and you get that, you know, when you're drinking the margarita, uh, instead of it being like a margarita base. So, um, so it'd be cool. fun for yeah anyone to come on by, and I really appreciate all your time.
0: Yeah, thank you. You ready for Jenny's nominated businesses? Here we go. She gave a shout out to Tori Gwyn, which is a real estate agent with Compass. Uh, Just Like Family, which is a nanny agency, The Violet Hour, which is a bar in Wicker Park that serves some cocktails featuring Reinhall spirits, and Soap Distillery, a business located in the same business incubator as Reinhall, that manufactures soap and other personal care products that are inspired by cocktail scents. You can find links to Jenny's nominated businesses at mychicagopodcast.com forward slash Ryan-Hall or by visiting the podcast social media pages on Instagram and Facebook at MyChicagoPodcast. If you're a Chicago business, small business and would like to be on the show, please drop me a line on social media or on my website at mychicagopodcast.com forward slash B-A-Guest. And last but not least, be sure to visit Jenny and the Ryan Hall team at 2010 West Fulton Market.